God is a God of hope. We're learning that the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And you guys are bringing hope to uh, a dark land. And uh, we're so proud of you. We're grateful to be your home church. And we love it that the part of our giving uh, helps support you. And uh, you are on the front of our prayer lists also. God bless you guys. The reason the church is the hope of the world is because of the presence of God. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see that what sets the church apart from any other institution on earth, any other organization, is the presence of Christ. It's the building of that house of prayer that welcomed the presence that we want to look at this morning. But before the message, I want to just tell you, I was reading yesterday uh, an article on how hopelessness is gripping our world. Hopelessness is like a battering ram of the devil that he uses to uh, dismantle uh, nations, cities. We're seeing it in our, in our, in our, uh, right under our noses. And the enemy uses hopelessness like a battering ram against your prayer life and against the church. There was a man, have you ever, um, how many of you have ever opened a, uh, those pink um, packets of Sweet and Low? Do you remember the, the pink packets? Have you ever opened one of those? The guy who invented that uh, made millions and millions. He has been CEO of the company that employs uh, 1,400 workers. He lived in a, um, uh, a luxury apartment on the, uh, in Manhattan on the uh, west side overlooking uh, Central Park. And at 5 o'clock in the morning on Friday, he had had enough. He walked out on his balcony and leaped off to his death. A shocking, but another example of hopelessness. Um, the church is the hope of the world. When God comes, any hopeless situation changes. The ultimate fulfillment is not going to be found in a six, seven, eight-figure income. Uh, the, the, the fulfillment that the world is looking for today is to be found in Jesus Christ. Now, would you open your Bibles, please, if you've got your Black uh, Acts journal, uh, page 6. Uh, we're going to look really page 6 through uh, page 16 this morning. Uh, chapters 2 and 3. We're going to see five miracles that take place every time God builds his house of prayer. Five miracles. And as, as these are laid out, they're, they're attractive, they're winsome. Um, it's what every church is known by, these five markers. But before uh, we begin the, 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 to open God's word I want to just say two things I've learned about prayer. Because some of you 
will sit there and tune out. Oh, another message on prayer. Uh, I really don't need this today. Let me just say, there's two things I've learned about prayer. Number one is, no one naturally knows how to pray. The second thing is, anyone can learn. No one naturally knows how to pray. If you um, would say, oh man, a message on prayer, this really isn't my thing. If you're born again, let me just tell you, God wants to work a miracle in you, so you love to pray. If you love Jesus and you love his presence, you love prayer. If you don't love prayer, it's either the enemy has lied to you that, that the inability that you were born with in prayer is here to stay. No, I, I promise you, the, the inability that was born in you, the inability in prayer, God intervenes as he did in my life. There were, I used to hate prayer meetings. Prayer meetings gave me the creeps. I remember after I was born again, my, my parents would take me to the church prayer meeting, and I hated it. I looked at my watch. I, my, my foot was going like this. It's like, come on, get me out of here. I couldn't stand it. You know, there were people talking like with these and thou's. Oh, thou mighty God. It's like they were talking Shakespeare or something. I, I thought, and then some would talk in a, in a strange voice like they're speaking through a synthesizer or something or trying out for a school play. I'm thinking, what is going on? What is this? I used to hate prayer meetings. Now I'm in prayer meetings all the time. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because God changed my heart. If, if there's been nothing in you that's drawn into prayer, I'm telling you, God wants to change your heart, and he wants to change it this morning. If you have felt hopeless, I promise you, God is the God of all hope. Welcome him into your life situation, and your hopelessness will leave immediately. Don't live with hopelessness. Don't live, don't harbor hopelessness. Your heart was made for hope. You thrive with hope. Hope is not positive thinking. Hope is the result of the presence of God. It's where hope comes from. Because he is a God of hope. Now, what we find here are five miracles. Follow with me, please. Uh, page six in your journal. Miracle number one is gathering. Gathering. It, it says, verse 12, um, Acts 1, verse 12, it says that they all returned to Jerusalem. And verse 13, they went upstairs to the upper room. And verse 14 says that they gathered together. They gathered. That, that gathering was a miracle. And the reason it's a miracle is because as the Bible says, you strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And the sheep did scatter. They went back to Galilee. They'd scattered. After Jesus died, uh, whatever was going through their mind, they scattered. 
All the, 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 the disciples had scattered. Now they miraculously gather. And they're not just gathering. They, they gathered with such a, a magnetism, such a solidarity, that it says here in Acts 1, verse 14, all these with one accord. They were all on the same wavelength. They all were with, with unity of purpose. They were all in the same flow. There were no hidden agendas. They weren't jockeying for position. They weren't saying who's the greatest like they were a month earlier. This is a miracle. The, all, the, the, the pride has been broken. Their own agendas is gone. They have one agenda that brought them together. They want the presence of God. And that's what gathered them. Not only did they have such a gathering that God brought them to one accord, but it was such a magnetism that for every one of them, there were 11 others. So the 11 original disciples now find themselves in the company of about 120. It was that kind of gathering, a magnetic gathering, a catalytic gathering. It's miracle number one. Miracle number two is now they're praying. Now this is a complete miracle. These guys, even after living with Jesus for three years, they could not pray one hour a month earlier. They couldn't pray. Jesus kept waking them up. And they'd grab their pillows and roll over. He'd wake them up again. Come on, I need you. I need you. Watch with me. Could you not watch with me one hour? Imagine Jesus, desperate, nudging you three times and rolling over and going back to sleep. Now they're locked on. It says that they're, that it doesn't just say they're praying, it says they devoted themselves to prayer. They're, they're so focused that they're not there, oh, they're not, you know, what, what casserole did you bring? Um, what are we gonna drink? Is the coffee ready? It wasn't, it wasn't anything, but prayer was, was bringing them together. They were locked on, and they refused to let go until they got what they were after, and they were after the presence. Now, these two miracles, listen to me. God wants to work these two miracles in you. If God has not worked in you so that you are one who enjoys gathering and gathering for prayer and can, can, can pursue God in prayer, there's a miracle waiting for you. Because the same miracle that he worked when he formed his house of prayer here in Acts, he wants to work for you. You see, Jesus said a month earlier, he went in the temple and he said in the temple, my house is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Now, when Jesus said that, this was not some new idea. And, and it was not fulfilled in the temple that day. That day, that temple never became what Jesus announced it to be. It was fulfilled a month later, not in the temple, but in a, a little obscure upper room area where 120 Palestinians gathered and in, in their house of prayer. 
That this, what we read here, is the fulfillment of what Jesus announced. And when Jesus said it, he was actually quoting the prophet Isaiah, who 700 years earlier prophesied this when Isaiah said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. So now we see the house of prayer for all nations forming. And it took miracles. Miracle one, they gathered. Miracle two, they prayed. Miracle three, now of the five miracles that we're gonna see in the house of prayer, this is the central miracle because it's the one that, that impacts everything. It's, it, this is the reason, the, the third miracle is the reason the house of prayer exists. What did, what's the third miracle? Receiving. Yes, they gathered, yes, they prayed, but if that's all that happened, it would not be a house of prayer. The third miracle is, is the christening of the house of prayer. It's when the house of prayer was filled with the guest of honor. The Lord's presence came to the house of prayer. It says in chapter two, verse eight, it's page eight, I believe, or 10 in your, in your journal. Uh, chapter two, verse four says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence of God came among them. It's, it's, it's what makes the house of prayer the house of prayer. It's what makes a church the church. As much as we appreciate the building God has given us, and we steward the resources God's given us here on our campus. Brothers and sisters, don't think for a moment that the church is the building. You and I are the building. We, we, God has built us to be the building that welcomes his presence. Not the brick and mortar, it's the people, it's in relationship. It's those who gather, those who pray, and those who receive the presence of God. That's the church. Now the fourth miracle flows out of this. There would be no fourth or fifth miracle if it wasn't for this one. But the fourth miracle is ministering. Ministering. Not ministering to people initially, but ministering to the presence of God among us. It's page 12 in your journal, it says, chapter two, verse 11, it's actually the unbelievers who came into the gathering and said, we hear in our own native language, in five words, the mighty works of God the mighty works of God. Literally what it means is we hear them using words they've never used before to describe things they've never seen before. The believers were not preaching primarily, they were proclaiming. They weren't witnessing primarily, they were worshiping. They were in awe of the presence of God among them, and the others heard them 
describing the presence of God among them that they're describing. Celestial, heavenly things that they're declaring as they minister to the presence of Christ. Now, in this room this morning and watching online, we each have different jobs. Some of us, a few of us work inside the church. Many of us own businesses, school teachers, uh, workers, mechanics. We've got uh, those creating software and, and other positions. But no matter what your job is, I need to remind you that your primary calling in life is to minister to the presence of Christ. You have no higher calling. In fact, the fact is, you will never know your life calling until you know your highest calling is to minister to his presence. Once you understand that ministering to the presence of Christ is my highest calling, then God will give you your secondary calling, your other assignment. Because uh, you never know that until you know that you are in Christ. Your calling is in Christ. Your anointing is in Christ. Your gifting is in Christ. Your fulfillment is in serving Christ. So whatever else God's called you to do, the, fulfill, the success of the fulfillment of that depends on you owning your primary calling, ministering to his presence. This, let me take you. To, join me for a moment here. Revelation chapter four and chapter five. This is throne room worship. And what we see are the four living creatures are ministering to the presence. The 24 elders are ministering to the presence. Hundreds of millions of angels are ministering to the presence. And then by the end of chapter five in Revelation, all living things on earth are ministering to his presence. That's why you were made. Those of you who know me well, you know I like working. I like doing. I can't stand sitting still. I like serving the church. There are many things I enjoy doing. But the only reason I can do those other things is because I know my highest calling is ministering to his presence. Ministering to his presence sets everything else in proper alignment and in proper order. And until you own that as your primary calling, as your highest calling, you'll never succeed, you'll never know your potential, and you will never operate to your fullest capacity. We're our own worst enemies. I am not a workaholic. You know why? I know that. Because my highest calling is ministering to his presence. I don't have to do anything else but that, and I've had a good day. 
And then out of that, God assigns for me the rest of the things that I do. Hallelujah. God has that for you. Whatever your other callings are, God has that for you. And then the fifth, this is the one we all love. I hope we all love it. The fifth miracle is harvest. It says in chapter two, verse 41, it's page 16 in your journal, verse 41. This is a great verse. It says, and so those who received the word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 added that day. How many of you would like to live long enough to see that happen? I, I want to pastor this church long enough to see that happen. Hallelujah. Then it says in verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the harvest didn't end with one big event, one big moment that God orchestrated. That, that day, 3,000, but then day by day, God continued to add. Frankly, I love the big events. I love Easter Sunday. I love Christmas uh, All Nations. I love our outreach events when, when 1,500, 1,800 people will come uh, to an event. But I frankly, and we see people come to Christ there, but frankly, I enjoy more getting a phone call. Pastor, you're gonna love hearing this. I led a guy to Christ today. Oh, tell me more, tell me, how did it happen? Uh, there's nothing I like more than hearing people being added day by day. The events are great, we need them, but it's the day by day. It's because you're out there sharing Christ with your, the parents of your kid's soccer team and, and in the workplace and neighbors and, and all that. Hallelujah. The harvest. Now, now, I want you to see something. These are obviously sequential, the five. You're not gonna harvest like this without the presence. You're not gonna have the presence without gathering in prayer. But the, the one that can most easily be overlooked is the ministering to his presence. But I want you to see, we have found all over the world, I could, I could stand here for three hours and give one illustration after another of the principle I'm about to share. When a group of people, no matter how many, two, and in some cases one, begin meeting in a house of prayer to encounter the presence and minister to the presence, now listen to me carefully, God changes the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere over that house of prayer in that territory. And what happens is there becomes an open heaven. The Bible talks often about an open heaven. There was an open heaven at Jesus' baptism, there was an open heaven when Jacob uh, uh, met God going to see Esau. He said, this is the house of God, this is the gateway of heaven. Th this happens in scripture. But it's happening today all over the world. I'm gonna give you a couple illustrations here. Uh, in, in, in their hometown, in Africa, 
we have trained about 200 uh, people who are part of unreached people groups. We've trained them from 14 nations in their hometown. One guy came the last time I was there, a year and a half ago, and he said, um, I'm, I'm the only believer that I know of in Western Sahara. I never even knew there was a Western Sahara. Yeah, you can look it up. It's right above Mauritania, right underneath Morocco, Western Sahara. It's a country. And he says this. He said, um, when I went back, I started to pray like you guys taught us. And God came. I was the only one. And God came. And I ministered to his presence. And within a week, my neighbors started coming asking me about Jesus. And I've now baptized 25 people and started two houses of prayer. You can't explain that. Okay, I'll give you another one, since you're so excited about this. Gamby. Gamby is one of the most uh, oppressed. It's kind of like there's so much voodoo and, and the dominant religion is so, it's, it's dark, 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 dark. We trained a couple, a uh, married couple, singers, to go back to Gamby. They went back. And they began uh, to meet in their house of prayer. Uh, they began praying every day. And immediately, uh, neighbors started coming asking about Jesus. They said, we're having dreams about Jesus. We've never had this before. Tell us about Jesus. You're, we're hearing uh, this in our dreams, but we know that you follow Jesus. Would you tell us? They've now led 40 to Christ and baptized them. And listen to this. Every day, the wife, the, the woman, has a Bible study every day under a big baobab tree with 100 Muslim background ladies. Yes, there's no explanation. They are meeting in their house of prayer. God's changing the atmosphere and the spiritual disposition of the unbelievers around them is changing. Is this giving you hope? This is, this is God's model. If we've learned anything during COVID, may it be that you can't shut the church down, that the church is best when it meets together, whether in a large group or a small group, that, that is characterized by these five. You can hold up these five as the marks, the standards of any healthy church. A healthy church loves gathering. A healthy church loves prayer. A healthy church is active in receiving the presence. A healthy church is, is big on worship and ministering to the presence. And a healthy church is harvesting and seeing souls come to faith in Jesus Christ. But the difference, between, we would all agree with that. But the, there's a difference. And I wanna, we are a healthy church. But I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna encourage you to take a step up Let's not just settle for being a healthy church. I want to describe a dynamic church. A dynamic church doesn't just cover the bases. A, 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 a healthy church, rather, doesn't just cover these five. A healthy church will have people that love gathering and people that love praying and people that are more into the manifestations and seeing the Spirit come and, and encountering and welcoming the presence and those that are big on worship and those, the evangelists among them. That's a healthy church. But that's not this church. 
This church is not just healthy. This church is dynamic. And the difference is everyone in the church had the gathering anointing, the prayer anointing, the miracle empowerment of the Holy Spirit to gather, to pray, to receive, to minister, and to harvest. No, I call you today, my brother and sister, if you're born again, and, and you, you, you look at those five and you say, well, I'm good at this one, that's good enough for me. You know in your heart, one of those five you're, you shy away from. You might be doing good on the first four and then you come to the fifth one, harvest, I'm, just not, I'm not an evangelist. Did the Holy Spirit tell you that? I promise you he did not. The Holy Spirit says, and I'm quoting scripture, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power and you will be my witness. Oh, but I'm not a witness. Who told you that? That's That's not the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, I'm good at soul winning, but I'm not much on prayer. I'm just not a good prayer. Who told you that? Who told you you can't pray? Naturally, none of us can pray. But the Lord doesn't leave you natural. He wants to infuse into you supernatural. He wants to change your disposition toward not only prayer, but corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. Now this this pattern works in China. The church is growing by leaps and bounds in China. You know why? Because of the house of prayer. You know, the fastest growing movement by far in Iran is the church of Jesus Christ. And you know why? It's because of the house of prayer. They gather in small groups. They can't be shut down. They gather, they pray, they receive, they minister, and they're harvesting, they're seeing so many come to faith in Jesus Christ in Iran today. North Korea, the same thing. You can't shut down the house of prayer. The house of prayer is a, here's the definition. The house of prayer is a gathering of praying Christians who encounter the manifest presence of Christ. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. I realized this week that um, three of my text threads are houses of prayer. Three of them are devoted to prayer, and all we do is share scripture and pray. That's all it is, the whole text thread. And who, I, 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 you know, I, I think about this quite often. I never realized that three of my text threads are houses of prayer. Don't limit yourself in your thinking. Don't think, oh, well, if COVID really picks up, we're, we won't be able to come to church anymore. Well, that, that's why we do small groups. And every, every gathering that the church has is to be a house of prayer. Sunday, yes, we un, un, unapologetically pray uh, as, as the, the kind of the meat and potatoes of our service when we meet. Of course we do, because we're a house of prayer. The youth, the, 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 the model of, of effective youth ministry is a house of prayer. 
The model of effective children's ministry is house of prayer. Every life group is to be house of prayer. But, but beyond the stuff that the church mobilizes, here's the good news. God wants your closest relationships to be house of prayer. If you're married to a believer, God wants that to be a house of prayer. If you're married to a believer and you have children, or even if you are not married to a believer, you are a believer and you have children, your gathering with them should be a house of prayer. And can be. Oh, well, we don't know what to say. Ask God. He will do it in you. And there's a resource that I want to just mention. You can uh, Google it later, but Houses of Prayer. Uh, .info uh, slash families. Um, you can enter that and immediately it'll pull up uh, a wonderful uh, section. And if you are saying, man, this is what I want. This is what I've been waiting for. I, I want more hope in my life. I want to welcome you more of God's presence in my life and my family. We're going to start a house of prayer as a family. If you're a single person, whatever, wherever you are in life, you can make that decision. You can register it there at that website, and you'll get helpful information. Hallelujah. God wants to work a miracle in you. What is it you want him to do? Of those five miracles, which is the one that maybe you've shied away from? That's the one God is knocking on and wants to stir up in you today. That's the breakthrough. Naturally, we're all gonna gravitate to one of those and shy away from the others. But supernaturally, God wants to open every one of those five miracles to you. Would you stand with me, please? I wanna lead us in prayer. I want to give you an opportunity to open your own heart, open your home, open your keenest relationship to not just pray together, but to be a house of prayer where that you receive God's presence, that you minister to his presence in worship, and that God uses you to win souls miraculously. Whatever one of those five uh, aspects of the house of prayer, uh, open those doors to him. All five rooms, so to speak, in the house of prayer. Father, God, I open my heart afresh right now to your Holy Spirit working in me. Lord, anoint me to gather and to gather others with me. Anoint me to pray in unity, devoted, to prayer. Anoint me to receive your spirit, your presence in every area of my life, on every level of my relationships. Lord, saturate my heart, saturate my home, my school, my workplace with your presence. And Lord, be the choir master, be the worship leader of my soul that I would respond and linger in your presence, ministering to your presence, just telling you how great you are. And Father, use me this year to win souls. 
assigned to me, those around me, neighbors, friends, family members, those that I've looked at from a distance. But Father, invite me in. And Lord, use me to win souls. And Father, we pray this as a church, that every one of our life groups would be houses of prayer, that every one of our homes would be houses of prayer. That Father, you would, would you fulfill here among us that we'd see 3,000 souls one in a single day and maybe a greater miracle that we would see souls won and added to the church every day, every day. The final 354 days of this year, Lord, we wanna see souls saved every day, every day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Plant your word and activate it that we would be a church activated by the Holy Spirit. Continue to write the book of Acts in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.